The topic of discussion this morning, salvation. Being saved, if one might say. Being in the right relationship with God. In this lesson, I want to discuss four things, four lessons about faith that we find from the Bible. And this morning, each of you should be able to state these four things in regards to what Bible faith is. The great Bible statements about faith. And I hope this morning to increase our knowledge of Bible faith and what the Bible says about faith. So this morning, for the next few moments, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what those statements of faith are. As was read just a moment ago in Romans chapter 1 and in verses 14 through 19, Paul makes a great statement here. Written during a reign of Nero and there's a governor there that hated Christianity. And we see that Paul basically says, I have a debt. I have a debt that I owe, an obligation to meet here. And as you read this statement, he says, I'm a debtor. Both to the Greeks and the barbarians. Both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Paul says, with everything in me, I'm ready. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, because, why? He says, because I know it's the power of God unto salvation and to everyone that believeth. And he names the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, and the just shall live by faith. He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. A little bit about the text. Paul speaks here about the power of God which is the gospel. That gospel that is God's plan for man's salvation. The plan that he put together even before time. That you and I can be saved. That you and I have hope beyond the grave. And in this gospel, in this plan of salvation, we find God's righteousness is revealed. 
And God's righteousness is not only revealed, but it's revealed from faith to faith, it says. A continued faith. From the very beginning to the very end. Now some want to take and make that mean that there's more than one faith. But it's not. There's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. But it was revealed from those who believe so that others may believe. The righteous live by faith. And back in chapter 1, say that same chapter 1 in verse 5, Paul has already discussed that the gospel was given for obedience of faith. He says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. Why? For the obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name or his name's sake. And we know from Paul's other epistles that the Christian is to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to understand this morning that it is mandatory, therefore, that we as Christians understand the faith of the Bible. What does the Bible say about faith? Let's talk about it. Four things. Number one, faith comes by hearing the word of God. You're familiar with that. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So the faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You see, faith is conditional. Salvation is conditional. And it's unconditional along the terms upon the existence of God's word. In the book of John in chapter 6 and verse 68... Jesus came to give us those words where Peter says there, to whom shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You see, one may ask today, what must I do to be saved? Where shall I go to be saved? Where shall I go to find salvation? I can tell you this morning, you have to go to the word of God. And you have to be in, in the body of Christ. You see, Lord, the Lord gave us those words. The apostles were told in Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, they were told to preach all the words of this life, this Christian life. That faith brings us to You see, we know according to Scripture, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24 and, and going on through about verse 27, that one may hear the gospel, but they may choose to reject it. When you see there in Matthew 7 and 24 through 27, it speaks of the wise man that built his house upon the rock. His foundation was upon the rock of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ. Our rock should be the same. That rock where Peter says, our Lord said to Peter rather, 
on that rock, that confession of Peter, not on Peter himself, that he was the Savior. And Matthew 7 talks about a foolish man, doesn't it? A man who chose not to build his house upon the rock. This morning I ask you the question, what, what, what is your house built upon? What is your physical house built upon this morning in your lives? You fathers and mothers and children and all, what is your house built upon? Is it built upon the rock of Jesus Christ? Is it built upon the Word of God? Is it built upon faith in the Word of God? Or is it built on something foolishly? The foolishness of this world the Scripture calls. Is it built upon the love of material things? Is it built upon the popularity of, of, of this life and the lust of the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life? What is your house built upon this morning? You see, we have to ask ourselves that question. What is my house built upon? But faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. One may hear the gospel and partially believe. Some just totally reject it. Some just says, I, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to become a Christian. I'm not going to do what the Bible says. And why someone would have that mentality and that way of thinking, I don't know. They continue to reject it, totally reject it. I have no interest. I don't believe that, that you must have those things done or you must be baptized. I don't believe you have to be faithful. I don't believe you have to do these things. And our world is saying this morning, I don't believe that a man and woman should be married to live together. I don't believe that a man and man can, and, uh, or a man and woman should be married and marriage is man and woman, not man and man or woman and woman. You see, there are a lot of people who are rejecting the faith. Now, there are some who hear the gospel and they partially believe it. Now, we read about a situation in that in Acts chapter 24 by a man named Felix in verse 25. Where it says there that he trembled he trembled when he heard the word of God. He sent after Paul, if you remember. He, he thought he wanted to hear it concerning the faith in Christ. And you see there in verse 25, and as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled or was terrified and he answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. When it's right for me, when I get everything right, when everything lines up, when everything's good, when I get through this difficult time in my life, I'll call for you. When I grow up a little bit and when I, when I, when I take and sow all the seeds of worldly things and I get all this stuff done, I'll get serious about my faith. You see, a lot of people feel that way today. That's why we have so many people 
living in sin. Oh, I'll make it right one day. It's dangerous living. Dangerous living. But faith comes by hearing of the word of God. You see, Felix partially believed it. You see, we must all hear all of the words of God and be saved. Matthew 4 and verse 4, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by just a few words. Just what I choose to think I need. Just if I hear and call upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved. He says, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. You see, not just partial. This faith, that the faith that comes by hearing God's word is a faith that will obey in verse 17. Faith is more, folks, and more than just mere acceptance. Faith is more than just, oh, I, I believe in God. Oh, I, I believe that there's a heaven and a hell. I believe I, I need to be baptized sometime or I, I need to accept him as my personal savior. It's more than just acceptance. People say, well, I accept it. Well, you can accept him all day long. But unless that faith leads you to obedience, you are still lost. Amen. And you have to understand that. And you have to believe that. And we can find ourselves, a lot of people live the double life. They want to come into the Lord's house or the Lord's church and they want to sit here and sing hallelujah and praise the Lord and then they want to go right back into sin doing what they were doing the other six days of the week. You see, faith is more than just acceptance. Faith is just more saying that I'm going to show up. Faith is more than, than just saying, I believe in Christ. It's more than that. But number two, faith without works is dead. Faith comes by hearing, number one, by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith without works is dead. James 2 and verses 14 through 16. When you look at that text, we can find some different arguments in here. You say, arguments, what do you mean? Well, this is what I've chose to call them this morning. The common sense argument. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Notice this with me. In verse 14, it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of them say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warned and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone in itself. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee, thy, my, thee my faith by my works. 
Now you say, well, common sense. Well, common sense tells us, as we read, that if someone comes to us and says, I'm in need, I don't have clothes, I don't have food, I don't have shelter, and I say to them, go away, and I don't give them anything, have I met their needs? That way for no. No, I have not. That's common sense, isn't it? That's common sense. Same thing with his faith and works. When the Bible says that with faith, without works is dead, folks, that's what it meant. Works must come and complete that faith. Now, we're not saved by faith alone, and, and we're not, well, certainly not saved by works alone. But when you put the two together, and they culminate and come together, you see, that's common sense. In verses 19 and 20, Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. The devils also believe in tribble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without or apart from works is dead or barren? As one version puts it, I call that the argument of emptiness. Without faith and without works together, you are barren. You are empty. You see that faith, we hear, we hear the, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we culminate and we add that with the works. And it takes and fills up the basket, if you will. Not all the way. There's a lot more to salvation, isn't there? But if that faith, and we're going to talk about that just in a minute. <clears throat> but you take and you look at the rest of James chapter 2 and verses 21 through 26. And you go down to verse 26. He talks about Abraham up there and how his faith was justified by works when he offered his son upon the altar. In verse 26, whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's common sense, isn't it? But we have the argument of Scripture there. It shows us that. In James 2, 21 through 26. Now let me throw this in here. For faith to be a living faith, for a faith to be a living faith, it must be obedient. In the book of Romans in chapter 16, in verse 26, the Bible reads to us and says, But now is made manifest, or shown, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known, to all, made known to all nations, what? For the obedience of faith. You see, for a faith to be living, it must be obedient. Now, I like how the New King James puts it. Obedience to the faith, to the faith, the one faith, the one body of Christ, 
the church. But not only for it to be living and to be obedient, it has to be active. You go to Hebrews 11, and that whole chapter shows a men and women who were active in their faith. And I asked the question this morning, are we active in our faith? Look at all the things that they did, all the works that they did. And all the beliefs that they had in all of those different areas of their life. That's a good read for you any day. Just go read it. But number three, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Let me suggest to you this morning that faith doesn't just look back. Did you hear that? Faith doesn't look, just look back and say, oh, I can see what God has done for me. I can see all these things, how his providence has, has played out. And boy, I, I am today where I am today because of God and having faith in him. Faith doesn't always look back Faith needs to what? Look forward. Why? Why should one look forward? Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It is the faith is the confidence in things that we have not seen. And when you're there in Hebrews 11, notice all that described, all that were described there in Hebrews 11 who lived by faith. Some of the things they had not even seen. Things they couldn't even imagine. That describe us today? You know, the Bible paints a picture of heaven, doesn't it? But you know what? It's way more and better than that, isn't it? It paints the picture of our Lord and his life and his death and burial and resurrection. But you know, it's a lot more than that. Faith is accomplished in things not seen. When you go to the book of Romans in chapter 4, in verses 16 through 22. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace... To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Strengthened in faith. Verse 17 is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, 
He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore notice it. It was imputed to him for righteousness. You see, faith, notice this, Faith trusts God when it appears that God is wrong. Verse 17. Abraham trusted in his God through his faith even when it seemed impossible or it was wrong. How many times in our life have we said, why? How many times in our life have we said, this just ain't fair. This is not right. It's impossible. But faith trusting God when it appears as if God is wrong. And in verses 19 through 22, you can make a note in your Bible. But 19 through 22 renders this statement. A faith places confidence. Now hear this. Faith places confidence in the promises of God. That ain't all of it. Faith places confidence in the promises of God as if they were reality. That that's the way it is. There's no other way. That's faith. Number four, as we close, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. First John chapter five, and verse 4 renders that statement. When it says there in, in chapter 5 of 1 John and verse 4, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You see, the world hates those who believe in God. It's very evident in the world today, isn't it? Our Lord spoke of that. John 15, verse 19 says, If you are of the world, the world would love his own. You see, the world loves people who go along with them. Young people, the world loves the groups of people in your peers and things. They love when you go along with them. They don't want you to be different. They don't want you to stand out and call them out. They want you to go along with things. And our Lord said there, he said, if you were the world, they would love you. But because, because you are, are Christians and because you are of Christ and because you've put him on in baptism and you're a member of the Lord's body, because you have not of the world, he says, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the Lord, world hateth you. And let me suggest to you this morning, the world will place obstacles 
before us to cause us to fall. And it's in the Bible, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, where the scripture reads, it says, For all that is in the world, but of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is what? Of the world. The world will place obstacles in front of each and every one of us. Your employer will place obstacles in front of you to whether you can be faithful or not. Your friends will place obstacles in front of you that you have to choose. One of the saddest things during this time of year that I see, I see families that have to choose whether to be in the services of God, in the services of our Lord and worship, or whether they should be with family to be able to celebrate their holidays. That's sad to me. He says the world will place obstacles in front of you. And some of you are going to face it. You may be facing it now. I don't know. But that's one of the saddest things. In the days to come, in the few weeks and days to come, some of you will face that. You will have to make a choice. Do I serve the Lord? Am I faithful in my attendance? Am I faithful in this? Or do I go and be with my family? I know of a young lady this last year in this congregation who told a family, says, no, I'm going to church. I'll be there after I get done. She was dating a young man. She said, I'll be there when I'm done, but first I'm going to church. You see, that's a faith that believes and trusts in God. Those who believe in God, however, will not let those obstacles overcome them. If we truly believe in God and we have the faith that we should, and it's a living faith and obedient, we, won't, we, will, we will overcome those obstacles. We will find a way to be able to meet both obligations. I'm not saying you have to take them just to get rid of both of them. Say, we'll find a way to meet them. But it's sad to me that family members put other faithful Christian family members in those positions. That's what's sad to me. You see, they recognize that those things are not of God. We recognize that these things are just temporary. You know, I remember as a young boy, the first time I had to miss an opening day of deer season. The opening day, I had lived all year to go hunting. <laughs> and it shows you the mentality that I was in, the immature mentality. And I can remember my employer, I was roofing houses, toting shingles. And we had, we normally didn't work on Saturdays, but we were behind and we had to work on Saturday. And I didn't go. I didn't get to go that opening morning. I was crushed. I was like, life could just end right now. It was terrible. I had never missed an opening day, but you know what? I was okay. The sun come up the next morning. I'm still living today by the grace of God. 
but I thought it was terrible. You know, I finally recognized that those things are just temporary. With my love for collegiate football and my team, Alabama, I can remember the, when I wouldn't miss a game. Still hard today to do that. But I have to realize those things were temporary. When things of family put me in a position where I had to choose, I just had to figure out that those things are temporary. True faith overcomes because true faith hears all the word of God, obediently acts upon it, and counts God's promises as already real reality and lives accordingly. The Christian walks by faith and the Christian lives by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith without works is dead. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And I want us to end right there. A faith that is victory over the world. We're going to have victory over this old world, over death. We're all going to die, Hebrews 9, 27. Our victory is beyond the grave. There is a life beyond this life. Where will you live? Not where will you spend, but where will you live eternally? Eternity. Where will you live eternally? What faith do you have this morning? Is it a strong faith? I hope it is. And if it is, continue to work and nurture and, and build that faith. Pray that the Lord makes your faith stronger. But if it's not, and your faith has wavered, and it's allowed sin to separate you and God, you need to take care of that this morning. If you've never developed, your faith has never become just a mere acceptance of Christ and you need to be baptized for the mission of your sins, we encourage you to do that. A faith is one who is obedient. You can't claim a faith unless you complete it. So this morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.